You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. New information tonight about a missing family of four who haven't been seen since Sunday. Loved ones first contacted RCMP a few days ago and now they're talking to Global BC, filling in some details about the family's troubled past. Jill Bennett joins us now. And Jill, what have family members told you? Chris, we know at this point the Anderson family had been living here in Surrey for a couple of weeks. Two weeks ago, they were apparently apprehended by Vancouver police when police officers found them living in a van, all four of them in an east side park. Now, we're also told tonight they left Surrey just a half hour before they were scheduled to meet with a social worker. These are the most recent photos showing the Anderson family, parents Sheldon and Nona, and daughters 13-year-old Chanel and 10-year-old Mariah. At this time, the investigators do not deem this to be a suspicious occurrence. Uh, they're not worried for the welfare of the family or the children. But relatives are worried. The last contact with the missing family was by phone on Monday, the day before they reported the disappearance to police. We're concerned about them. They're living out of a van. It's not healthy, either mentally or physically, nor is it for the parents. So we want to get them some help. The family van, this tan 2002 Toyota Sienna with Alberta license plate BGZ2221, was last seen on Tuesday afternoon in the parking garage of the building where they'd been living for two weeks. Relatives say both Sheldon and Nona struggle with paranoia and have been deteriorating for at least five years, thinking everyone is out to get them. The police were monitoring their emails. They were stalking them, harassing them. Government agencies were stalking them, harassing them. And hundreds of thousands of other people were stalking and harassing them. Everyone from the librarian to the uh, uh, customer service rep in behind the bakery counter. RCMP say the family has frequented Minaroo Park in Richmond, where the girls who are homeschooled would visit the library, and they also used public showers. Sheldon Anderson's mother in Alberta says she knows her granddaughters are well taken care of, but she is worried. I think everybody worries about whoever... There was someone that, that I believe, suffered from paranoia. Anybody is worried for somebody or somebody that's with somebody with a mental illness. The entire family is concerned for their welfare. Um, we want them back, we want to get the family some help. Uh, the girls deserve to uh, be living in a home. Um, they shouldn't be living in a van. So at this point, family members, again, saying they're concerned. They don't believe anyone in the family is in danger, but there is that undiagnosed mental illness that both parents are dealing with, according to family. If anybody sees them or sees the van, they're asked to call Surrey RCMP or Crime Stoppers, or if it's somewhere else, even 911, if it seems like the right thing to do. Chris? Mm, troubling story for sure. Thanks, Jill. Hurricane Florence is starting its slow assault on the Carolinas. Today, storm surge began flowing between homes along Topsail Beach in North Carolina. Hurricane force winds are now predicted to hit an area more than 15,000 square miles. The time to leave has passed and residents are being told to hunker down. Global's Jackson Prosco is in Wilmington, North Carolina tonight where conditions have definitely worsened. Uh, the get getting worse as the day has been going on. Jackson, what's the situation at this hour? 
Yeah, Sophie, things are deteriorating fast. These are actually just the outer bands of Florence. The eye of the storm is still about 100 kilometers offshore, and it's not going to make landfall over top of where I am for almost another 24 hours. That tells you just how slow this storm is moving, but it's dumping an incredible amount of rain even as it continues to weaken. It's down to a Category 2, but forecasters are really worried about the catastrophic amount of rain that could come with this. They're talking about this in feet, more than a meter of rain, in other words, uh, and a storm surge that could be three meters or 15 feet high. So this is going to last for several days. Uh, that's why there were dire warnings for people to get out and get away from the coast. More than a million and a half people have since left the area. But there are also lots of people in and around Wilmington that have decided to try and ride this one out at home, Sophie. So why would they make that decision to not heed the warnings and evacuate? It seems like such a dangerous situation, Jackson. Yeah, you know, some people say they've been through hurricanes before. They feel that they can cope with whatever Florence is going to deliver. Uh, others say they would rather be somewhere where they know what's going to happen. In other words, they know what the situation is going to be like in their own house. They know how much food and fuel they'll have at their disposal. And they say if they're going to be stuck in floodwaters, they would rather have that situation at home than perhaps in a shelter or in a city a few hours inland. Well, we certainly hope the best for them and you and the crew stay safe as well, Jackson. Thank you for joining us. Now, while the storm has slowed somewhat, those staying behind are, as you heard, ignoring all the warnings about what could still be a catastrophic event. That storm surge poses a serious hazard. And here's a graphic illustration why. Storm surge is often the deadliest part of a hurricane. Let me show you what that looks like, starting with a, a one to three foot water rise above normally dry ground. Now this might not sound like much, but remember, this is flowing water being pushed by the wind. We know that one to three foot of storm surge can knock you off your feet, stall out cars, and even carry cars away. It is too late to evacuate when the water rises to this level. But let's go above that. Let's go three to six feet, for example. Very large objects can be carried in this kind of flowing water. They can act as battering rams and enhance the damage. But let's go even above that. Nine feet of storm surge. This kind of storm surge is not survivable unless you move to the higher floors of whatever structure you happen to be in. So please follow the advice of the local officials and evacuate as ordered when a hurricane moves in. Breaking news now on the efforts to save J-50, the young southern resident killer whale, which had been declining in health. At least one research group is now declaring the orca dead. She was last seen on Friday near the Fraser River. And while her family pod has been spotted since, she has been nowhere in sight. Fisheries officials and biologists on both sides of the border searching beaches and coves in Canadian waters today. But just about an hour ago, Ken Balcom of the Centre for Whale Research declared J-50 dead. However, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, also known as NOAA, is not ready to make that call just yet, given that this isn't the first time J-50 has separated from her pod in recent months. Tenants struggling with Metro Vancouver's housing affordability crisis are calling on the province today to cancel the 4.5% allowable rent hike for next year. Landlords say it's necessary to cover their expenses, but demonstrators say it's a struggle to keep up when wage increases aren't in step with rent increases. Ted Chernecki explains. 
Stop the rent increase! There's a reason this rally was staged here, and that's because it's across the street from the landlord BC offices in downtown Vancouver, and the chanting and speeches were probably loud enough for anyone over there to hear them. The reasons we pulled this rally together in less than five days was because of your outrage, your energy, and your desire to do something to stand up for tenants. Tenants are the ones who are suffering, not landlords. According to the Ministry of Housing's website, rents have gone up by more than 30% in the past 10 years. It'll be 8.5% in two years if this latest increase isn't cancelled as demanded by these protesters. We hope that they will um, review it and, and just erase the rent increase in general. Not just back down to 4%, but to 0%, because I think there's just so many stories we hear over and over again of people who can't afford to live here. Help is on the way. If homeowners can have a homeowner grant, renters should be able to have a grant as well. Some of them are also asking about that rent rebate promised by the NDP in the last election campaign. That's a really excellent question, and it's a question I'm going to ask my local MLA, who is actually the Minister of Poverty Reduction, Mr. Shane Simpson. I was there on that day. I stood behind him, uh, and I talked to a lot of media you know, after that. And for me, it was more about putting landlords and homeowners and, and renters on the same foot. The province says it is reviewing the hundreds of recommendations before announcing any changes. Protesters today called for a rent freeze, saying any rebate would simply be claimed by landlords if rents aren't frozen first. Ted Chernay, Global News. The Vancouver School Board and BC Hydro have finalized a deal to build an underground substation on the current site of the Lord Roberts Annex School in the West End. Hydro will pay the board between 73 and $75 million to build at the site. A large part of that money is earmarked for construction of a new elementary school in Coal Harbour, where the students will be temporarily moved, and a replacement school in the West End on the same site as the Lord Roberts Annex. The plan to build the underground hydro facility has been controversial, with some in the neighborhood worried about the effects of electromagnetic radiation. Help is pouring in for children affected by a major theft from a Vancouver wig store. The thief stole dozens of wigs worth more than $300,000, many of them set aside for young cancer patients. Aaron MacArthur has more on how the public is rallying for them tonight. It's not quite business as usual at Ask Salon in Steveston. There are plenty of people willing to lop off their locks for a good cause. They're never one-timers. They always come back a second time. They always grow it out and cut it off again. Beth Friesen collects hair from salons on behalf of wigs for kids, matching patients with donated hair. Since the theft on Friday, she says they have been inundated with offers of help. Not only hair, but money too. Well, we've gotten monetary donations, donations of ponytails. Uh, we've even had one, two families, actually, who have received wigs from us in the past, offers to donate their wigs back as their uh, children's hair have grown back already. So, yeah, it's great. Last Friday, thieves broke into the Eva and Company wig shop on West Broadway and made off with about 150 wigs, many destined for kids fighting cancer at BC Children's. The wigs were supposed to get their final fit this week. And for families looking forward to it, this has come as a huge blow. So she was looking forward to having a wig so that she could look and feel more like herself. What upset me the most were these kids that were going in Monday morning to pick up their wig to go back to school and it wasn't there. The wigs can be replaced, 
but it could take as long as two months. The VPD have prioritized this case, but other than a vague witness description, don't have a lot to go on. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Right now, though, the organization responsible for luring tourists to Greater Victoria has been forced to rethink its new slogan and go back to the drawing board. Kylie Stanton reports on how an old beer commercial has come back to haunt them. When you think Victoria, horse-drawn carriages, double-decker buses, so I'll let you get your tickets. and stunning gardens usually come to mind. In a word, this city is charming. But the tourism group responsible for advertising the destination to the world felt it was time to spruce up the branding. So we uh, did a public tender and chose a, a world-leading agency to help us through a very robust brand strategy. Destination Think spent six months working on a rebranding exercise, identifying what the region was all about, and came up with this. Ocean's a port from ordinary. It makes me feel lucky to be living on this ocean then. It's catchy. Destination Greater Victoria proudly rolled out the new campaign last week, but it turns out the tagline wasn't oceans apart from this. Oh, okay. it's almost the same thing. And subsequently, we've learned that uh, Heineken uh, used a similar ad copy, not a tagline, in 1974. Now it's back to square one. We want people to be excited and we want people to be proud of this. But it's not the first time branding for one thing has resembled something else. In fact, Victoria's former tagline, full of life, is now being used in Croatia. Croatia, full of life. When the city of Vancouver rebranded its logo, it looked almost identical to Chilliwack's. And the list goes on. Visit California has dream big as their tagline. So you can't tell me that in the history of advertising, Dream Big hasn't been used. Now, this won't cost Destination Greater Victoria any more than the $150,000 it's already spent. But given that there's no legal issues with the trademark and the fact that the Heineken campaign is more than 40 years old, many here feel that going back to the drawing board is simply not worth it. That's crazy. Why change it? It doesn't make sense. That's BS. Come on. <laughs> That's a beautiful slogan. We should adopt it for our city. Everything is related to something, so yeah. why bother? But the team is determined to try. The tagline is just one small part of the larger strategy now in place. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. Well, prime location for sunset watching and grabbing a bite near downtown Vancouver is closing its doors next month. October 6th will be the last day for the Boathouse in English Bay. The group running the restaurant chain says the lease has expired and they're now working to relocate staff. There are still five Boathouse locations to choose from. Kitsilano, White Rock, Richmond, New Westminster and Port Moody. Well, we've warned about them repeatedly, yet a new study reveals fake check scams are on the rise, even though people are writing fewer checks. Exactly. We'll, we'll bring in our consumer reporter, Andrew, now for more on who is being targeted. Yeah, yeah unfortunately, a lot of young people here. Thanks, you too. Better Business Bureau research highlights how bogus check scams are luring consumers, especially millennials. Every year, some 600,000 victims across North America are giving away millions of dollars to lotteries they think they've won or for jobs they believe they have secured. While consumers may use fewer checks in the age of electronic transactions, you don't have to write checks to get caught up in all of this. Fake checks are used in various frauds, from employment scams to prize and sweepstakes scams. 
scams. In each case, victims are asked to deposit a check and send some of the money back to the fraudsters. The age group victimized more than anyone else, 20 to 29-year-olds who are roped in under the guise they've scored a job or when selling personal items online. Just private ads. They're, you're, you're selling your car and someone wants to send you more money than you're actually asking for. They send the, and then they email you back and say, ooh, it's just a mistake. Sorry, can you send me the, uh, the difference? And lo and behold, the check bounces again. It's a matter of just making sure that you're not withdrawing money ag against something that has not been verified as legitimate. Now, consumers need to remember that banks credit accounts before verifying that checks are valid, a process that takes up to two weeks. Just because a check has been deposited, it doesn't mean it's good. If it later bounces, the bank will want the cash back and you will be on the hook for it. Also, look for security features like original document on the back and bank watermarks. With high-quality printing options available from home and the ability to cut and paste documents with legitimate-looking logos, even cashier checks guaranteed by a bank or postal money orders can be forged. Anyone who realizes they have deposited a fake check into their account should notify their bank immediately and file a complaint with the Better Business Bureau or Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre. And if you have a consumer issue for me, there's my contact information at Global News. Rather, Consumer Matters at globalnews.ca. Forgot the first half of that. <laughs> we got it. Thanks, Anne. Thanks, Anne. Well, UBC researchers have unveiled what they say is a breakthrough in ultrasound technology. As Catherine Urquhart reports, miniaturization is making the new device more affordable and wearable. Ultrasounds provide critical information for doctors, allowing a safe window inside the body. But the machines are expensive, weights often lengthy. But that could soon change. We are really excited. We are even uh, considering the possibility of commercializing this technology or even licensing it to uh, major ultrasound manufacturers. Engineers at UBC have designed and developed a tiny ultrasound probe, no bigger than a Band-Aid. It's made with tiny vibrating drums of polymer resin and costs less than $100. These uh, vibrating drums I was talking to you about, they are called CIMATS, and we have thousands of them in, uh, in a single ultrasound chip like this and they vibrate at the same time and produce, uh, produce uh, ultrasound. A traditional ultrasound machine and the ultrasound machine of tomorrow that can be placed right on your skin with the information transmitted and processed by a smartphone or a tablet. At least that's the goal for researchers who believe they're still a few years away from getting the mini ultrasound to market. Obviously, there is a large amount of work ahead in order to transform it into a very successful, complete application or a complete commercial product. And we'll, we hope to, to collaborate with some industrial partners as well. Ultrasounds of the future. Tiny, inexpensive, accessible. Some of them might sound like science fiction, but they are already here, existing already. Promising technology for doctors and their patients. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. It looks like a scene from a disaster movie, but it is a real-life emergency for homeowners in three cities near Boston. Problems with a high-pressure gas main sparking multiple explosions and fires. Hundreds of people evacuated and emergency responders stretched to the limit. <laughs> 
at this hour, police and firefighters have responded to at least 70 fires and explosions. At one point, 18 fires were burning at the same time. So many fires, some homes were just left to burn. At least six people have been injured, but there are no reports of fatalities. A middle school and a senior center were evacuated and residents told to get out of their homes if they smelled gas. Officials are blaming this on overpressurized natural gas lines. Well, Donald Trump facing more scathing criticism tonight for his latest claims about last year's devastating hurricane in Puerto Rico. Both Democrats and Republicans are blasting the president for claiming the death toll from Hurricane Maria was inflated by his enemies to make him look bad. Tonight, President Trump is falsely blaming Democrats for inflating the death toll from last year's Hurricane Maria to make him look as bad as possible. Tweeting today, 3,000 people did not die in the two hurricanes that hit Puerto Rico. A long time later, they started to report really large numbers, like 3,000. Earlier this week, claiming... Puerto Rico was an incredible, unsung success. Direct deaths from Maria, like drowning and injury, were estimated at 64. But an independent study by George Washington University, commissioned by the Puerto Rican government, estimated nearly 3,000 people died in the aftermath of the storm due to a lack of resources. We are giving strong evidence that should not generate political controversy. In a statement tonight, the White House said President Trump was responding to the liberal media. Mr. Trump, who faced criticism for his initial handling of the crisis, under mounting scrutiny. I have no reason to dispute these numbers. I was in Puerto Rico after the hurricane. It was devastated. And Republican Representative Ileana Ross-Layton said only a warped mind would turn this statistic into fake news. The president has turned to conspiracy theories in the past, from falsely claiming former President Obama wasn't born in the U.S. to suggesting Ted Cruz's father might be linked to the JFK assassination. Now, a new cloud of controversy. And the award for worst driver ever goes to this man in Missouri who swerved around cars and drove up onto the sidewalk to get around an elementary school bus with stop sign and flashing lights deployed. The good news, no children were hurt and the driver was arrested after the video was made public. 52-year-old Matthew McCloskey faces several charges. Police say he was fleeing the scene of an earlier crash. In Health Matters tonight, many people know a friend or relative with Parkinson's disease, and that's no surprise. It is estimated 10 million people worldwide have Parkinson's. And now in the second installment of our three-part series, Nitu Garcha reports on one patient's ongoing efforts to raise awareness and his involvement in groundbreaking genetic research at UBC. There'll be different stations. Near falls like this one during our interview are why Larry Gifford is often seen with a walking stick. I feel like I'm probably not going to fall if I have it. The right side of his body doesn't work like it used to, one of several symptoms of the 46-year-old's young-onset Parkinson's. Like many others, he knew very little about the disease when he was diagnosed a year ago. What shocked you the most as you started to learn more? Well, I think the, the one thing that surprised me is that it's not a deadly disease. So what is Parkinson's? It's a neurodegenerative disorder, the second most common after Alzheimer's. Dopamine-producing nerve cells in the brain slowly start dying away, leading to symptoms that vary from tremors and slowness to balance issues and soft or slurred speech. What causes the illness isn't well understood. That's why Gifford is at UBC. 
participating in Parkinson's research with Professor of Medical Genetics, Dr. Matt Ferrer. So the genome sequencing is the, the start of it. Ferrer has been mapping the genomes of hundreds of patients from around the world. So this is one person's genome. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Now it's Gifford's turn. It all starts with a saliva sample. The goal is to develop a blueprint of one region of a healthy brain. Then a Parkinson's patient's DNA is compared with that blueprint to try and spot the differences. It's only with hundreds of thousands of people taking part that will really understand this disease. Ferrer and his team have made game-changing discoveries, like the role of a gene called LARC2. It is the largest genetic contribution to Parkinson's disease in the world. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of patients have variability in LARC2. Ferrer's team just announced its latest breakthrough, understanding how that gene works with others. It's one thing finding a gene, it's another knowing uh, what the protein it encodes does. Each of the 70 gene discoveries made so far provide a potential target for treatment and prevention, eventually. My hope is that my work is going to help eradicate Parkinson's disease in the same way as vaccines did for polio at the turn of the last century. To ultimately find cures, people with Parkinson's are going to have to start telling their stories. Neetu Garcha, Global News, Vancouver. To hear more of Larry's story, find his podcast and subscribe to it when life gives you Parkinson's. Uh, Parkinson's, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google mm -hmm. Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, Spotify, wherever you find your favorite podcast, you'll find Larry. Mm. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Whale watchers off Nova Scotia get much more than they bargained for right after the forecast. Can't wait to see that. All right, let's check on uh, Florence, Hurricane Florence, heading towards the Carolinas there, Christy. That's right. The eye of the hurricane expected to make landfall tomorrow afternoon, but the effects already starting to take place. Category two, but it really is the size of the storm that is the biggest concern. It moves inland and weakens, but the size of it has really doubled. 600 kilometers in across in terms of the wind field, the impact will be massive. So uh, 24,000 square kilometers impacted by hurricane force winds. Storm surge, the coastline, 550 kilometers of coastline being affected by that. And the rainfall? 15 million Olympic pools of amount of rain that are going to fall in the next three days. Incredible amounts and that uh, highest water levels, really, there's a couple points that we are watching in terms of storm surge and the amount of um, at where the highest tides are. So highest tide tonight at 1130. So we'll be watching for the most amount of uh, storm surge then and Friday morning at 1130 a.m. And then it will be the heavy rains Friday right through until Sunday. It will be relentless as the storm continues to pop that area. Meanwhile, across the world, we have 10 tropical storms. Uh, there is, uh, there's Florence right there. We've got another one brewing in through uh, the Gulf of Mexico right now. That was uh, Livia. It's now downgraded to a depression, but still affecting that area. And a super typhoon that is headed for the Philippines. And this one is equivalent to a Category 5, bringing winds up to 285 kilometers. And that will hit uh, the Philippines on Saturday. So we are watching a lot. Meanwhile, back at home, snow Snowfall again today, and this is at lower elevation. So a lot of photos coming in from the Caribou region. Thank you to everyone who sent us these photos. Sad face, and I agree. It's a little too early for that one. And we have a chance of snowfall again in through the Caribou region. So tomorrow morning, another wave pushes on shore. That Arctic air is still entrenched. So tomorrow night, Friday night into your Saturday morning, that's when you have the potential of seeing snow once again. So cold is remaining colder through these areas tomorrow, down through the south, definitely 
definitely below seasonal by a good two to three degrees. Showers and a risk of thunderstorms and for our region as well, a similar pattern to what we saw today. Although Friday night into our Saturday morning, I am expecting more significant rain and it will ease off a little bit to just a chance of showers later in the weekend. No dry period really expected until Tuesday. Thanks, Christy. Now, caught on video, a boat full of whale watchers who got a lot closer than they probably wanted. The video was shot by David Mulder while he was out on a whale watching tour off Nova Scotia. They spotted a humpback when, out of nowhere... You might have noticed the whale's tail broke part of the front of the Zodiac, their boat. No one was hurt. And it is believed the whale was okay as well. But, wow, that was close. Am I the only one here? You are. Well, we're here too. Okay. You are as well. I just meant we're square. Squire's on his way. Okay. Oh, there he is. He's running. He's, I wish we had a squire cam right now. We don't always well, catch actually, him. He's not running now. He's all he's casual. Just, he's more sauntering. Usually we'll get... Uh, we'll get Marsha in our ear saying, oh, he's running because he has to run past the windows upstairs in production control. So we know when he is on his way down. That didn't happen today. So, but we are glad you're here. The freshly quaffed Squire Barnes joins us now with sports. Yes, that's why I was a little bit late. I was getting my hair cut. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> there had to be an explanation. We provide that service <laughs> now, we? That's right. We do, actually. Uh, the Canucks didn't bring in any high-profile Big scoring free agents, mind you, when they did, Louis Erickson, it didn't quite work out. But instead, in the offseason, they did bring in veterans who could check the other team's scores. Now, actually, I don't mind that. We didn't need any more veteran scores because the Canucks have brought in guys through the draft. And that is the way the Canucks are going to rebuild their offense. Let the kids lead the rebuild. We have a team right now that... You know, there's a lot to be determined. You, you look at our forward group and, man, there's a lot of guys vying for jobs. That's where the fiercest battles at Canucks camp will occur. There are obviously some locks like Brock Besser and Bo Horvat, but with the Sedins gone, the fight to get on the scoring lines will be intense. That opens the door for top six spots for guys like Jake Vertanen, who scored 10 goals in mostly a third and fourth line role a year ago. For me, I want to be able to come in and, um, you know, obviously fill in a role where I can still be scoring goals. I want to be able to score uh, goals this year and put pucks in the net and uh, help contribute offensively as much as I can. The Canucks will rely heavily on players like Vertanen and Sven Berchi to increase their production. Improvement from within, especially at forward, will be a major factor in Canucks' success this season. Those guys have got opportunity. Hopefully they're ready for it, and they, they grasp it and run with it. There's no doubt the Canucks and their fans are most excited about what Elias Pettersson will bring in his first pro season. Publicly, the Canucks don't want to pressure the kid, who won't turn 20 until November, but they're hoping he can not only score, but energize some veterans who, frankly, need to start earning their money. If you get a few, few practice and a few games, you, you can maybe find some chemistry and, and, and find something good there. Well, I certainly I think I need to be more productive than last year. I think it's, um, it's important that um, you know, so, someone scores. And you know, for myself, I, I know I can be more productive of a player, and um, you know, I've done it in the past. The Canucks have about 20 forwards vying for 13 spots. Jobs and career paths are on the line, which can only help get this Canucks rebuild 
into high gear. My job is to develop this team into a team that's going to win long term. And that hasn't changed at all. Very delayed global sports. Okay, for some reason, the Canucks have had a long history of having multiple injuries on defense. And last year was no different. It's one of the most dangerous jobs in the world, playing defense for the Canucks. Eric Goodbranson missed 30 games with a shoulder problem. Chris Tanev, 40 games with a variety of injuries. Uh, He's missed almost as many games as he has played the past two years. So he's hoping that his luck will change this year and it won't be as painful. I've made a few different adjustments in my training, but I I mean, I always work hard. It's not, I don't really think it's too much of what I've been training that's caused my injuries. It's been a lot of pucks and I mean, it's been mostly bones and, but I mean, it's, uh, we did work on a few different things this year and um, trying to put myself in better situations. And I, I hope that the hard work over the summer will pay off this year. The Sharks now have two of the best offensive defensemen in hockey. Eric Carlson was acquired by San Jose from Ottawa, which means he'll play in the same blue line as Brent Burns, making the Sharks much tougher to stop. Doesn't mean they'll win the cup, but they should fill the net a lot of nights. Carlson, though, isn't happy he had to leave Ottawa, but it was a divorce that had to happen. And quite frankly, Ottawa could completely remake their team with this trade because they got a lot in return. And I do mean a lot. The key, though, Chris Tierney's an up-and-coming player, Um, The key is the draft picks. With those draft picks, first and second rounders, they make a couple of good picks. They make four good picks, obviously. Just make two good picks, and you will replace Eric Carlson as best you can, and you will have a good team moving forward. Usually, when a team announces a player has signed a new contract, they put out a press release. It's nothing exciting. It's just the facts. But the Dallas Stars did something new by taking us back to the 80s, announcing Tyler Sagan's new contract with an homage to the Super Mario Brothers. press release I've ever seen. Nice. Uh, Aaron Rodgers said he was playing in a sprained knee when he led the Packers to that second half comeback win against Chicago on Sunday night. I think sprained knee is not quite accurate. It's probably worse than that. But Rodgers says maybe, maybe he'll be able to play Sunday against Minnesota, even though he hasn't really practiced this week. He says he might be able to play because he knows how to play with pain. But I've dealt with the left knee injury since I was 16 years old, so I know what it feels like to um, to play with something like this, and, and hopefully, you know, I'll be at a point where I can I can on Sunday. Rogers could barely move, and said that every time he planted his feet to throw the ball, especially to throw it deep, he had to suffer the consequences. Mind you, so did Chicago. It's super painful, and you just gotta suck it up and and play through it. That's basically what the doctor told Rodgers at halftime. If he could stand the pain, he could still play. To be in this room, you have to be mentally and physically tough, and I was just getting an opportunity to to show that I was fairly physically tough. And if he's physically tough enough and mobile enough to play this Sunday against Minnesota, then the Packers' chances of winning go way up. Without Rodgers, their chances aren't so good. 
Paul Brown Stadium in Cincinnati tonight. If you have A.J. Green in your fantasy pool, you'll love the first half. That's A.J. Green for a touchdown. Did I mention A.J. Green? That's bad tackling. This is another touchdown. Wait a minute. I'm not done because A.J. gets three touchdowns. And it's 28-7 Cincinnati over Baltimore in the second quarter. There you Good go. half. There you go. All right. Thanks, Square. Here's Jay Durant now with a preview of Global News at 11. Jay? Thank you, Chris. And as luck would have it, I do have A.J. Green. So thanks for pointing <laughs> that out. Port Moody police are warning about an aggressive CRA scam making the rounds on the lower mainland. We'll show you what happened after one of their own officers received the phone call and took on the scammer. And homeless activists on Vancouver Island are crying foul tonight, saying the city of Saanich has served an eviction notice a day early on a homeless camp. People that have been staying in Regina Park have now been vacated, according to police. We'll have more on those stories when you join us tonight at 11. Sounds good. Thanks very much, Jay. All right. So the unique marriage proposal best viewed from up high and now viewed thousands of ties. That's coming up next. But first, here's Kasia Badurka with five things to do this weekend. Kasia. Yeah, this week we're serving up some serious variety. Farms, fashion, pets, yoga, horses. And let's start there. The Southlands Riding Country Fair gives Vancouverites a day in the country without leaving the city. Meet the ponies and enjoy the market, food and vendors. And yes, there will be horse entertainment, of course. If you like food, yoga, local breweries, or all of the above, mark this one down. Tomorrow, head to the main alley urban park in Vancouver to enjoy some of the best that Mount Pleasant has to offer. It's that time again for all fashion fans to come together with industry pros, media, celebrities, and designers. Vancouver Fashion Week kicks off Monday, presenting 80 runway shows featuring national and international innovative designers. From faux fur to your beloved fur buddy, the Fraser Valley Pet Expo is on this weekend where you can shop, learn, and have fun all day with your dog if he wants to come along at the Cloverdale Agriplex. Animals are on the bill as well at the Alder Acres Family Farm. They're now open for the season, so if you're looking for that quintessential fall fair, here it is, complete with hay rides, pumpkins, farm animals, and fall fair treats. For more, head to globalnews.ca slash five things. Five Things to Do is brought to you by BCAA. Get a BCAA membership and save with our many partners. Plus, get the best roadside assistance. Coming up on ET Canada, from Bachelor in Paradise to our studio, it's Kevin and Astrid. Plus, we have updates on Julie Chen's return to TV and the Murphy Brown reboot. That's coming up at 7, right after the news hour. Back to you, Chris and Sophie. All right, thanks, Sangeeta. A unique marriage proposal drawn in the white rock sand happened to catch the eye of a drone videographer who posted it on social media, and now it's taken on a life of its own. So we got together today with the sand artist and the happy couple to talk about that public declaration of love that's made headlines. Ah, beaches and romance. No one did it quite like Burt Lancaster and Deborah Carr in From Here to Eternity. What is it about the waves, the sand? Had the whole day planned out, and yeah, it was kind of funny. We come down the pier, there was a few people looking at it. I tried to keep Christina on the one side. Mike loves the beach so much, he drew a line in the sand. Well, actually, he paid someone, a sand artist, who came up with this creative proposal in White Rock. When Mike first approached me about designing something for Christina, I thought it was such a cool idea and was just over the moon about the opportunity. 
Of course, she said yes. It's like I kind of swore at him first. <laughs> and then I was like, yes, of course. Just because and it was more because I'm pretty hard to surprise. I ask a lot of questions. I'm a little snoopy. They're looking forward to long walks on the beach together for years to come. And in case you were wondering about the turtles. The turtles just have a representation. We both have turtle tattoos on us. So that was kind of neat. Waves have now washed away their artful proposal. Mike and Christina planning a lifetime that withstands the sands of time. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. And they recreated that scene. So yeah. they both have turtle tattoos. Mm -hmm. Did they get them after they met each other? or she was meeting before. When they met, it's like, do you have a turtle tattoo? Yes, I do. Do you have a turtle tattoo? Oh, my gosh. Yes, I do. This we is should. We are destined. It's, yes. it's an icebreaker. It's an icebreaker for sure. <laughs> uh, last word on weather before we go. A couple of things going on. Uh, yeah, it's a couple of things going on. Uh, so possibility of snow again in the Caribou region on Friday night into Saturday morning. For our area, a chance of showers tomorrow morning, but I think it'll be wetter by the latter part of the day. So late afternoon, evening hours, right through into Saturday morning, you can expect sort of rain on and off. And in terms of Florence, and uh, in terms next 24 hours are... Yeah, one of the key times that we're going to be watching is 1130 tonight for the first wave of storm surge because that's when high tide is. So I know that Global National is doing live updates mm -hmm. uh, on our website. So uh, check that out if you want. And of course, we'll be here on Global uh, BC and BC One. You got it. Easter Seals drop zone tomorrow. Burrard and Cordova. Hopefully the rain will. <laughs> Hopefully. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck.